uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, good Friday to you. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. It is, well, I was going to say it's a beautiful Friday. It's actually not a beautiful Friday. It's raining, but it's a good day. I uh, got a uh, spring game just eight days away. Big series with TCU this weekend. Big series with Texas next weekend on the Diamonds. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Feeling good. Yeah, not exactly ideal golf weather today. That's okay. I've already played a couple times this week, so uh, I can put the sticks up for at least a couple more days while the rain moves through. Yeah, I think uh, I play tomorrow for reasons beyond my control. So that's going to be some interesting attire in what's, I'm assuming, going to be about 52 degrees with a light rain. Ooh, yeah, that's some British Open style weather. Yeah, count me uh, in. Humble brag real quick. Uh, I played in a scramble on Monday for the Edmund Mobile Meals uh, organization. Great charity. My dad's a volunteer driver for Mobile Meals in Edmund, delivers food to people who can't get out and get food themselves. Uh, we took home first place, me and my buddies. So that was a good time. We all played really well. But Colby, they for 20 bucks, you get five mulligans. So every guy got five, five mulligans. So we had plenty of putts to uh, attempt. But uh, we did take that down. A great cause. Mobile Meals is, a, is an awesome charity. And it was, it was a good time. So I did get a little bit of a golf in on, on Monday. Yeah, that's awesome. I, uh, I have not played in any charity events recently. I did have a, a I'm in a match play tournament uh, where my wife and I are members. And I had my first match on Wednesday and won that five and four. So Ooh. off to the races. Off yeah. to the races. That's a, that's a whipping. Yeah, the guy I was playing against, good dude pretty decent player had a bad day with the driver so when you're out of bounds uh, in the water on a lot of holes it kind of kind of made my life easy but that's golf man good days bad days i will say this about golf any oklahoma state golf fans that we have listening highly recommend checking out the 73rd hole podcast which i also do uh because we got we got something coming your way i think you're gonna like uh probably in the next few days i'm intrigued you, you tease that out on on twitter with the 73rd 73rd hole podcast so uh yeah, I'm interested wanna, to see who it is. I want to count our eggs before they hatch. We're just making sure that all the T's are, are crossed and the I's are dotted uh, before we, we announce who that's, we're having fun. That's a good plan. Every time I have a big interview, I say nothing until it actually happens. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first, let's hear from Chris University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. All day, every day, they offer free standard shipping on orders over 50 bucks. So be sure to... Log on, chrisuniversityspirit.com. They have all sorts of great gear for you. We appreciate their sponsorship on this pod. As always, they're a great partner company that uh, I've, you and I both have shopped at when we were both in school and out of school. So head down to Chris's if you're in Stillwater this weekend for the uh, the big baseball series that you mentioned. But uh, Colby, we do have some uh, a lot of news to get to here today. You wouldn't th necessarily think so on mid-April, but uh, big news this week Bryce Thompson, the former five-star basketball player out of Tulsa, decides he's entering the transfer portal out of Kansas. He's leaving the Jayhawks. And the first school that really comes to mind would be Oklahoma State. I think they came down to his final two between Kansas and, and Oklahoma State. There was a report that he's reportedly looking at Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane, where his dad was a really good basketball player. And so Rod Thompson. So there's I think he wants to kind of come back to the state, whether that's at Tulsa, ORU, or his, his high school teammate Trey Phipps just transferred to from Oklahoma. But OSU is going to be in the mix, Colby, and there's a lot of relationships there as well. So Bryce Thompson 
has to kind of look at what Cade Cunningham did, right? And see how everything Mike Boynton promised him would happen, happened. So maybe OSU can land this guy. That'd be a, that'd be a huge get for Mike Boynton. Yeah, I mean, obviously that would be massive for Mike Boynton and for the Oklahoma State program because obviously you, you just keep stacking talent. That's what it's all about. Stacking talent, stacking recruiting classes can't be a one-year thing and getting Bryce Thompson in would be huge for that. I think from pretty much everything I've read and seen and just my pure speculation, I don't have inside sources. I don't know Bryce Thompson. I would guess that he's either going to wind up at Oklahoma State or at Tulsa. And I think it comes down to, you know, does he want to play for Mike Boyne? Does he want to be part of that system? Does he want to play in the Big 12, in the, the NCAA tournament, and have a chance to make, you know, Sweet 16, Final Four runs, stuff like that? Or does he want to go to Tulsa? Does he want to follow in the footsteps of his dad? Does he want to, you know, walk in day one and be big man on campus and have a chance to go out and average 25 a game with Tulsa and kind of do what Max Aceman did at ORU last year and lead the nation in scoring at a lower level uh, because your usage is so high. I mean, I, I think that there are, are pros to both. I think he'd be well served to come to Oklahoma State and play for Coach Boynton. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily fault him if he went to Tulsa and wanted to just absolutely light it up uh, and, and follow in the footsteps of his dad. So it depends on what he personally as a man wants and I, I don't think either one's a bad decision no I, I agree with that and I, I'm totally with you I think a player of his caliber just from an outsider's perspective like myself looking in a player of his caliber should be playing in the big 12 I, I just think that's the level that a you know iron sharpens iron I think that would be a be much better fit for him to show off to NBA scouts that he can play against a high level of competition Whereas I think, you know, if a scout looks at him and he goes to Tulsa and starts scoring a bunch, it's like, well, what happened at Kansas? Obviously he was injured, but even when he came back from injury, he didn't, didn't do a whole lot. So I don't, I don't know. I, I do think part of him sitting as much as he did at Kansas makes him want to go to like a Tulsa where he knows he's going to play every possible minute, get every possible shot. So that they each have their own appeal. I just wonder if the pull of Mike Boynton essentially and also, the Boone twins, who he's, he's very familiar with, he played with coming out of Tulsa. And just the opportunity that's there at Oklahoma State with Cade Cunningham leaving. Obviously, Avery Anderson, we all kind of expect to come back. That would be kind of an interesting backcourt between him and him and Avery, who, who dominates the ball. But I don't know. I, I, I tend to think ultimately he might end up at OSU just based on you know, that's the level of basketball that he was looking at coming out of high school. You know, he wasn't even really necessarily looking at, at told, I'm sure he, I'm sure they made his list because of his dad and everything, but I don't know, maybe he'll end up at Tulsa, but I, I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't end up at OSU at this point. But I, again, I have no insider information, but it didn't work out with, with Bill Self and him, him he, you know, Bill Self coached his dad. That was Bill Self's first opportunity to coach uh, a son of a, a guy that he already had coached previously in his career at the University of Tulsa. So Garen Eming made a good, a solid point. He made a top five list of in order of which schools Bryce should consider. And he had Oklahoma State number one. And it wasn't just because of the level of competition that I referenced. It was more, you know, Bryce in his statement said he wants to go somewhere he feels comfortable. And he pointed out this quote from Mike Boynton at, at the Cade Cunningham press conference where he said, you know, everything we promised Cade came to fruition. Uh, he had a great year and, and Cade interjected and said, and I was comfortable, which is the exact wording that Bryce Thompson used. So, so I think that that's probably going to be the selling point for Mike Boynton more so than the Big 12. 
Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you're right. I agree with you. A player his caliber should be playing in the Big 12. I just, I really wonder if, uh, if Kansas kind of ruined his experience so bad at the, at the higher level that he just wants something different something that for him would be more comfortable, which would be going to Tulsa. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm sure he'd feel comfortable playing against a slightly lower level of competition that he would probably dominate. Um, I, I just, I think Kansas might have ruined his experience at the, the Power 5, Big 12 level, and I hope it didn't because it's just kind of everything went wrong at Kansas. You know, he, he dealt with the back injury. Um, he wasn't getting a lot of time. He played in 20 games. Only four of those were starts. He only averaged a little over four points per game. And it, it just never worked. It never fit. And, and, I, and I hope that that doesn't scare him away from winding up at Oklahoma State because I think it would fit at Oklahoma State. Now, as your point about he and Avery both being in the backcourt, I do think Avery would dominate the ball. Avery is uh, the more veteran player. Avery's been around. Also, you know, from what I've seen, obviously small sample size of Bryce Thompson and he was injured, but Avery's a better scorer. I think Avery could potentially lead the Big 12 in scoring next year the way Cade did this year. Um, but even though I, I think Avery would dominate the ball, Bryce Thompson would still be one hell of a piece to plug in to that backcourt. So I really hope he winds up at Oklahoma State. I don't know what the deadline for this stuff is, but I would imagine we'll know what you would think, Carson, sometime in the next few weeks probably. Yeah, I would say like two weeks at most. I would think it, it would happen mainly. I think he wants it to happen quick because Bryce referenced how many people are calling him once that decision was made. Yeah. He's got tons of offers. His phone, I'm sure, is just lit up. So I think he would probably want to make a, a decision sooner rather than later. So I would expect in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll all be on the edge of our seat. I'm, I'm going to be nervous as soon as I get some sort of Bryce Thompson notification. I'm going to be nervous to open it and see whether it says Oklahoma State or Tulsa. I really do. I really would be surprised if it was not one of those two schools. Wouldn't be surprised if it was Tulsa. But if it's not OSU or Tulsa, uh, that would surprise me quite a lot based on what we're hearing. Well, Mike Boynton tweeted this morning. It's the eyeball emoji, the smiley face with a cowboy hat a basketball and the crane as in like, let's work. So, so I don't know if that means he got a commitment from Bryce Thompson or if that's just uh, another what? recruit, but that's interesting. So anytime the, the coach sends out some cryptic emojis, that's usually a good sign for Oklahoma state, but maybe he's referencing this, this report that's out Colby about hiring an assistant coach, uh, Terrence Retcher or sorry, Terrence Rencher uh, from, from Creighton, assistant coach at Creighton. He's a New York City native, just like Mike Boynton as well. He played at the University of Texas from 1991 to 1995, played 12 years professionally, both in the NBA and overseas. And uh, he spent time at Texas State, Sam Houston State. So he's very familiar with the recruiting grounds, but I think a lot of people are circling this hire, Colby, as He's very familiar uh, with Ty Ty Washington, the, the top th the number 31 player in the 2021 recruiting class who was committed to Creighton. Uh, so there's an obvious connection there. And I think most people would say, Colby, they're hiring another assistant coach to get another one of the best players in the country. Yeah, and look, you, you see what this guy's done. He was at Tulsa for a stint as an, attention, as an assistant coach. He's been at Texas State a couple times. He was at Sam Houston State, New Mexico. Uh, he, he's familiar with the area. He knows to, how to recruit the area. And look, people are going to be so salty if Oklahoma State gets another player because of an assistant coach that they've hired. But guess what? That's fine. Let them be mad. 
Let them be mad. Mike Moyne's playing chess. Mike Moyne's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. That's fine. Let them be mad. He he clearly uh, is qualified. I mean, look, he's coming from Creighton, which is a really good basketball school. He's been an assistant. Uh, he started as a grad assistant at St. Louis, and then he's been an assistant at six different programs, seven different steps because he was at Texas State at two different times. But he's obviously qualified for the position. And then Ty Ty Washington, if that were to happen, would just be a bonus. So, um, you know, obviously his, his whole situation decommitting from Creighton and everything that was going on with, with Coach McDermott several weeks back, beside the point, now that you've got Rancher in town, uh, I think that that moves Oklahoma State at or near the top of the list for Ty Ty Washington, and he is one of the highest-rated available players who's uncommitted because, Carson, he's not a 2022 kid. He's a 2021 kid who's still uncommitted. So if you can get him, he's he's walking in the door uh, as soon as school starts up. So this is this could be big for Oklahoma State. Yeah, Washington's been offered by Kentucky, Kansas, Texas A&M, Oregon, Arizona, UCLA, Texas, and Baylor since his decommitment. So all the big names are after him. And, and I'm, this is kind of how I fall on it, Colby. Like clearly there's an end there with Ty Ty Washington, which would be a reason to hire this guy. And as you said, if it doesn't work out much like in my opinion, Cannon Cunningham, the tools are there to be a great recruiter on it as an assistant coach. It's the same that the traits and the things that Mike Boyne is going to continue to hire with assistant coaches are there. So even if he doesn't get Washington, even if he does, I think Mike Boynton has proven this is the type of assistant coach he's going to hire. It is going to be guys who can recruit at an elite level. And so obviously he's tied to Washington, but even if he wasn't, this is the type of coach that Mike Boynton is going to hire moving forward. So you can sit there. And so let's say they get Washington and he's there one year and goes to the NBA. And then Wrencher decides he's parting ways with OSU like Cannon Cunningham did. I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. I, I just don't. Like, that, this, is, this is part of doing business in college basketball these days. It's all about transfers. It's all about recruiting. Certain coaches have ties to certain players. And they have so many assistant coaches on staff that, that that's who I would want my head coach hiring is a ton of recruiters with recruiting connections. So I have no problem with it. Yeah, I mean, Carson, the game is the game. They're operating within the system of the confines of the NCAA. We know the NCAA is a bunch of crooks. We can get down that rabbit hole if you want to. Uh, it's an absolute joke, some more of the penalties that have come out this week. But Oklahoma State's operating within the rules. And not only that, I mean, it was a, a big deal for Cannon Cunningham to get to come to Oklahoma State. That obviously helped him in his career. It's, I'm, I'm sure, a big deal for, uh, for Rencher to make his way to Stillwater. That's a step up from being an assistant coach at Creighton. I don't care if Creighton's a good basketball school. It's not in the Big 12. It's not Power 5. Uh, and it's not on the trajectory that Oklahoma State basketball is on. So let's not, you know, the only thing I don't like is, you know, when the decision came out that Cannon Cunningham's leaving and going with Cade, you see some stuff on Twitter, most of it probably from OU fans, if I had to guess, uh, about, you know, just using him to get Cade and all this stuff. Like, no, this is a mutually beneficial relationship that, that's what's happening here they're not taking Oklahoma State's not taking advantage of assistant coaches by giving them better jobs than the one that, the, that they're currently in so you can just give me a break uh with the stuff about taking advantage of these coaches to try to get players um let, let me ask you do, you do we want to go down the NCAA rabbit hole of the more penalties that have been handed out this week sure let's do it I mean Carson 
Make it make sense. Make it make sense that no one else is getting a postseason ban, that all we're getting is like little slap on the wrist probation, maybe lose a scholarship here, maybe lose a scholarship there. But nobody is getting the hammer brought down. Not only that, Carson, it's been nearly a year now since Oklahoma State filed the appeal, and we can't rule on Oklahoma State's appeal, but we can rule on every other college basketball case that we have sitting in front of us. I'm just... I am so sick of it, Carson. I'm, I've been this week. I've been getting more and more fed up with it. I just don't see how the NCAA look. They don't have to justify it because they're accountable to no one, which is part of the problem. But I don't see how they can justify a waiting this long to rule on the appeal and then b upholding even a fraction of the penalties that they've levied against Oklahoma State. It's absolutely mind-numbing how unjust this all is. And Jay Billis just called him out. He basically said, dear NCAA, just reduce Oklahoma State's absurd penalty to this and be done with it. Stop wasting the players' money. The NCAA adjudication process is a joke. He was, he quote tweeted USC men's basketball getting self-imposed penalties accepted. That's literally it. Self so it doesn't I mean, make any sense. It just, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. I don't know what's going on. But the fact that OSU got the hammer and other schools like Kansas are still floating out there and, you know, LSU, you name it. I mean, t teams that have done way worse with their head coach having full knowledge just just baffles me. Maybe maybe they're going to make it right and they just haven't done so. But as of right now, they look completely inept and completely in the wrong. Well, and you know what baffles me is, you know, clearly none of the people who are on this NCAA committee are parents. Uh, otherwise, they would know that you punish bad behavior and you reward good behavior. Carson, what's the one school nationwide that basically just opened their doors to the NCAA, told them everything that happened, and said, we're at your mercy? What's the one school who told the truth, Carson? Oklahoma State. It's Oklahoma State! So why now are we incentivizing schools to never again work with the NCAA? You know what Kansas gave to the NCAA? Whenever the NCAA asked Kansas for the info, they gave them their middle finger on their right hand, and they gave them their middle finger on their left hand, and they said, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And then they freaking chained it behind them so that they couldn't come back in. And the NCAA is going to put the hammer down on Oklahoma State? If I'm ever a university in the future and the NCAA wants me to cooperate with an investigation, I'm going to tell them to get off my property and let me know if they have something concrete because they are clearly more interested in bringing the hammer down on Oklahoma State than they are in actual justice and actually policing collegiate basketball because what they've done with Oklahoma State is such a gross overstep and I just think that it's going to decentivize any university from ever cooperating with the NCAA again. Why would you? Why would you if, there, if it does you no benefit? It's amazing how much leniency you get by not cooperating. It just <laughs> so yeah. I hope I hope uh, Chad Weiberg takes note of this because you know Mike Holder tried to do the right thing, tried to be as forthcoming as possible, tried to cooperate, and all it did was get them the hammer first and the only school so far to get the hammer. So yeah, I, I say just buckle down, lawyer up, and just fight them on anything they, they come up with. So it just uh, it's just it's it's mind numbing. I just I don't understand it. Uh, yeah, I just can't wait for it to be behind us. Just yeah. please rule. Just rule on it. Come down on the appeal and let's move on. Uh, so this is not so this doesn't continue to hang over Oklahoma State basketball's head.
Yeah. One more note on basketball and the WNBA draft was held yesterday and Natasha Mack from Oklahoma State at one point was projected as a, a top five pick uh, later in the week right before the draft. She moved down to the last pick in the first round, but she slips to 16 overall, which is the second round, which still, you know, 16 overall is obviously great, but she went a little later than, than the projections had her. I, I thought that was, uh, I think a lot of teams are going to rue that decision once she gets into the WNBA. Yeah, I think they are too. And, you know, I was trying to think about why, Maybe that would be, obviously, she was the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year in women's college basketball. She had 112 blocks. She is a defensive force. Now, now don't get me wrong. She can score, too, but she is an absolute defensive force. So, I, I don't know. I'm just looking at it. I'm trying to think, you know, do teams just want perimeter players? They're just looking for shooters, looking for more offense. But, uh, yeah, I think Chicago got themselves a gym at 16 because it seems like, and, and I don't claim to be a WNBA expert, but it seems like based on where Natasha Mack was projected versus where she was drafted, it seems like you're getting some pretty serious value with getting Natasha Mack at 16. So I know that I'm sure she would have liked to have been picked higher, uh, and I'm sure she sat there and waited much longer than she thought she was going to have to wait to hear her name called, uh, but still very exciting for her, and I know that all Oklahoma State fans will be rooting for her moving forward. So uh, I'd like to see her become the WNBA Defensive Player of the Year at some point, which I, I think by no means is out of the question. Just keep doing what she's done in college, uh, keep protecting the rim, and, and she'll have a place in the WNBA for as long as she wants it. Yeah, like what she does, I just feel like is is such a difference maker in the women's game. Obviously, you mentioned she's Defensive Player of the Year, led the nation in blocks. Like, especially in the women's game, Colby, obviously there's no dunks. So everything's going to be trying to get stuff around the rim below the rim and I just think she's going to make such a difference on a WNB like teams are not going to be able to score inside on her and I just feel like that is such a bit bigger commodity in the women's game than than was shown in the draft and you know she went 16 overall uh, the highest pick ever was Andrea Riley going eighth overall Tony Young in 2013 went seventh actually she went Tony Young went seventh so she was the highest uh, ever Tiffany Bias went in the second round Brittany Martin third Lauren Goodwin second as well. So I, I think we're going to look back on this like three or four or five years from now, Colby, and she's going to be winning defensive player of the year and be, and be one of the best players in the league. So I wish her well because she had a great career at, at Oklahoma State. Yep, uh, she, she did. Go Pokes for sure. That's It's just, you know, with, with Cade coming up and you know he's going to be the number one pick, it's nice to have one on the women's side too. It's Oklahoma State uh, women's basketball was was solid this year, and Coach Littell's done a great job with that program. Obviously, uh, took over under just incredibly tragic circumstances, and I think, as, for my money, has far exceeded expectations. So that program's in a good place. Absolutely. Jim Littell's doing an outstanding job. Uh, let's talk some spring football, Colby. You mentioned it's spring game a week from tomorrow. Uh, obviously, the the focus is going to be on, as it always is, the quarterback position in the spring game. Mike Gundy says it's going to be a, a lively, you know, he wants to make it entertaining for the fans. Basically going to be about a half football, which for me is plenty for, for a spring game. But he's talking glowingly about Spencer Sanders. Uh, it's his fourth year in the program. He called it his best spring yet, did Mike Gundy say of Spencer Sanders, says he's really playing well. Uh, what do you make of, of Mike Gundy's comments on, on Spencer? Apparently he's, he's doing really well so far. 
Yeah, this is one of those, you know, I, I want to believe it. I really do. And and I, it's not even necessarily that I don't believe it. I do. I believe that he's having his best spring. He's getting older. He's getting more mature. He's getting more reps. You know, he didn't even have spring a year ago, obviously, with COVID. So he's getting more reps, and I'm sure that he is getting better. I'm sure he's looking more consistent. It, it's just Carson, fool me once. You know what I mean? I, I just I'm gonna have to see it in Big 12 play to believe it, and, and not not that not to believe that he's talented, but I'm gonna have to see him go through an entire Big 12 conference schedule where he doesn't just totally throw a game away on two decisions throughout the course of 60 minutes, and and that's the thing where Spencer Sanders is at right now with his career at Oklahoma State. He's obviously good enough to be a quarterback in this league. He's just that one small step there's such a fine line from spencer sanders just crushing it his last couple years in stillwater and being remembered as one of the greats there is such a fine line between that and continuing to have a little bit of this interception problem and being remembered as the guy who was incredibly talented but never really reached the peak of what he could get to because of some of the decision making and i think that this is a big year for spencer sanders with with the guys that are behind him um Look, I think he's the most talented player on campus at that position, but he's got to clean it up. So I, I love hearing all this. I love that he's getting a full spring in, that he's getting more mature. He's, he's seen some of these things. He's familiar and comfortable with the offense. He's finally going to have uh, an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach for a second year in a row. I think that that stuff matters. So I'm optimistic going forward, but I'm cautiously optimistic. So I'm still probably going to have to see it to believe it. I'm with that. And as I said all season last year, look, a lot of his mistakes are on him. We all we all know that. I do say this, though. I think context matters with his play as well. And Spencer said, quote, I've been through three coaches, so I've been through different technique, different footwork. I didn't have spring ball last year. I would say it's definitely different from my first one because my first one was my first spring ball ever and learning the playbook and all that. It's definitely different, but I would say from fall camp, to spring ball, I feel like I'm a lot more comfortable. So again, the stat that really sums up his entire career thus far is that he has more interceptions in big 12 play than touchdown passes. That's you are what the stats say you are. And that's the, the, the stats say that he's been mistake prone, but I do think the context matters. He's had three different quarterback coaches, two different offensive coordinators, maybe three, two, I think. And I do think some of that matters. It just does with the development of a quarterback without the spring ball when he was going to be the starter. I think all of that matters. But until he cleans up the interceptions, I'm with you, Colby. We have to see it. And so while he does have some reasons for his lack of development, I think those are, those are just reasons. The stat is going to be what it is until he until he cleans it up. I think that's what everyone wants to see this year, starting with with spring football. Because as I said, like I don't think it's a quarterback battle with Shane Illingworth, but it's going to be if he starts throwing interceptions at the rate he does in in regular season. If he does that in, throughout spring ball and fall camp, so I think it's up to him whether it's going to be a quarterback battle or not. Yeah, I think so too. And you know. I do think that there are some legitimate reasons, if you want to call them excuses, you can, why things have not gone great with Spencer Sanders, namely the turnover with coaches. But that to me is why this is such a big year, because there are no more excuses. 
You've got spring football, a full spring football. You've got more than enough players on both sides of the ball that they can run full scrimmages, that they've got plenty of people to run every drill that they need to run to. You're practicing every day against one of the best secondaries in the nation with Trey Sterling, Colby Harvell Peel, Jarrett Bernard uh, in, in the works. So I think that um, while Spencer Sanders has had some legitimate excuses as to why it has not totally come together yet, I think those are gone. So I think that this is a big year for Spencer for that reason reason because now it kind of seems like things are setting up uh for him to really turn into the player that I think we all think he can yep I'm with you I mean Gundy says he's now starting to see the things he, they want him to see like Cornelius did and Rudolph did so he's he's apparently he's passing the eye test so far for Mike Gundy in terms of you know running the offense controlling things and and I think it's a big spring for for Casey Dunn what's this offense going to look like in the spring game because you and I were like screaming from the mountaintops all year about what the offense looked like versus what they should be doing in terms of spreading the field, getting the ball out quick, letting Spencer have a more spread concept, which he's familiar with out of high school. So I, I think I'm, that's probably the number one thing I'm looking forward to Colby in the spring game is what does the offense look like? Does it look like what we saw against Miami or does it look like the, the offense we saw against Oklahoma with, you know, two tight ends and trying to play inside a phone booth? Yeah, the phone booth offense has to go, Carson. It has to go. I saw. I stole I, your term. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get this. Uh, I don't want to get this stat wrong. So let me just pull it back up, real quick. So Tevin Jenkins, uh, PFF Draft, tweeted this out yesterday. Tevin Jenkins across four seasons at Oklahoma State, eleven hundred twenty-nine pass blocking snaps, two quarterback sacks allowed. So I quoted that yesterday and I said, I'm going to try not to think about what this means for the other four guys on that line. It, it's just, it, it, I really think that we have kind of missed the mark on uh, how good Tevin Jenkins was at Oklahoma state. I mean, he was so, so good at Oklahoma state. And that is a, a big, big loss. I mean, you look at the offense and we talk about Spencer Sanders should take a step this year. And for the record, I still believe that in spite of what I'm fixing to say, Carson, they lost Tyler Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and Tevin Jenkins off that offense. Three guys that I have to believe are all going to go in the first three to four rounds of the NFL draft. Tevin Jenkins is basically a lock to be a first rounder. So I do think that Spencer Sanders will take a step forward. I think Oklahoma State's offense will be fine. But I do think that we have to acknowledge that uh, the offense and Casey Dunn is, are going to have to make some adjustments to losing that personnel. So I, I would love to see the phone booth to go, uh, offense to go. But again, it's just, it's going to come down to blocking schemes and whether you can stop people because there's just no way that uh, Spencer Sanders can take the big step that he needs to take if he's constantly under pressure. So hopefully Oklahoma State can block without having to bring an extra two or three guys in to do it. Yep, that's, that's going to be a big factor. And I was wrong. He's actually had like three and a half offensive coordinators because <laughs> he had Mike Yersich's first yeah. year, Sean Gleason, and then the combo of Casey Dunn and Tim Rattay, the quarterback's <laughs> coach versus an offense coordinator. So he's had four different voices in, uh, in three years so far coming into his fourth season. So that's a lot of voices. That's a lot of information to digest, Colby. I think you and I would get confused if, if I had a different coach telling me a different thing every year. Yeah, I think I would too. It's, it's, you know, I, I try to relate it to golf terms because that's what I do. You know, imagine if you had a swing coach for like six months and then he left and then just immediately a new guy stepped in and he started changing what you were doing and tweaking all, all everything, every little thing that you were doing. 
it would drive you nuts and it would make it really hard to be successful. Uh, now I understand that quarterbacking, I, I don't know all the intricacies and the nuances that I'm sure Tim Rattay knows and is teaching to Spencer Sanders, but you know, I'm sure some of it is footwork. I'm sure, sure some of it is arm position. So some of these little bit inaccurate throws, but I hope a lot of it is watching film and understanding. Okay. When you're rolling to your left and you see a guy cutting across the back of the end zone, you can't just see that guy. You have to see the safety and the linebacker that are underneath on that side of the field because as you've rolled left, guess what the defense has done? The defense has rolled to the quarterback's left. It's just, and then you've got three levels of defenders there that you have to get the ball through in order to complete something on that side. And that's why whenever we see these incredible plays from these quarterbacks in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, some of this ridiculous stuff that they do when they're rolling to their left, where does that ball almost always wind up? It always winds up about a yard out of bounds and a great NFL receiver stretches his hands out, catches it and drags his toes. They're not throwing this thing back into the hash mark into defense as they're rolling left. You, you, you very rarely see that. So I hope a big part of the focus with Spencer is on watching film uh, and making sure that he knows where to go with the ball and when to go there. Yeah. That's going to be huge. I mean, again, he's going to have new offensive linemen that you reference, but Mike Gundy says the defense has been getting the better of the offense, which he says is pretty typical in spring ball. But that's another thing Spencer said was we're going up against the best defense in the Big 12, in his opinion. So they're going to be they're going to be getting better and better and better playing against that defense. But you passed this along to me, and it kind of made the rounds on Twitter this week. ESPN released their top 25 according to FPI, their kind of metric system for ranking college football teams, and Alabama won. Oklahoma two, no surprises there. Clemson three, no surprise. Iowa State four, Ohio State five, AM six, Georgia seven, Mississippi State for some reasons eight, which maybe uh, will make people question why Oklahoma State comes in at number nine. So they're ranked 10th or ranked ninth in their top 10 of FPI coming into the season, which you referenced the skill talent they have to replace. Obviously, Tevin Jenkins and all world offensive linemen. A lot of their defense does come back, Colby, but I was pretty surprised to see Oklahoma State at number nine. Yeah, I was too. And look, there's there's different metrics that you can measure uh, and try to to predict college football. You got S&P Plus, which is probably a more reliable metric. Uh, but ESPN Football Power Index, uh, it's something. It's something. I, I think that preseason polls, for the most part, are kind of garbage. And I think that they've hurt Oklahoma State in the past because Oklahoma State, a lot of years, uh, as Oklahoma State was an up and coming program, would start the season in the in the twenties or unranked even, and then have to work their way up. And you're still everyone is still a prisoner to your preseason ranking, how good you were supposed to be as opposed to how good you are. Um, that being said, Oklahoma State coming in that high in, in the power index just kind of makes me think, uh, you know, maybe losing Tylen Chuba and Tevin Jenkins, maybe this guy's not falling. And Rodarius Williams on, on the defensive side, we haven't mentioned because we've been talking mostly offense today. But, I mean, that's four guys that are going to go in the first several rounds of the draft that you're losing off this team. Obviously, uh, OU has gotten better in the offseason. They pretty much didn't lose much. They lost Ronnie Perkins. That's pretty much about it. Uh, so, Oklahoma is going to be loaded again. Uh, Texas, obviously, with Sarkeesian. We don't know if they're going to take the step forward or not um so who knows what the rest of the big 12 looks like but i think i feel pretty comfortable with oklahoma state that uh there won't be a dip now i don't know if there's going to be a big jump to like an 11 game winner but i don't think that we're going to see a dip where oklahoma state goes five and seven or something crazy like that either no i don't either so 
That's interesting. Football talk is uh, not too far away. Spring game coming up next weekend. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you, you mentioned the baseball series this weekend against TCU. That's a big series, Colby. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's in Fort Worth this week. So TCU, I just saw the rankings yesterday is number 12. Oklahoma State's number 10. Texas Tech is number eight. And Texas is number three. So these wow. next two weekend series, Oklahoma State is in Fort Worth for three games against 12th ranked TCU. And then next weekend is a big weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Oklahoma State hosts the third ranked Texas Longhorns. Uh, and you've got the spring game Saturday, so you can make a day out of it. Tickets went on sale today for the Texas baseball series. Honestly, by the time we're recording this, and it gets out they might be sold out so don't hold that against me if they are uh i know i i was not available to make it to Stillwater next saturday i was hoping to make a day out of it with the spring game and then the texas baseball i i just i couldn't make it happen but next sunday my wife and i are going to go up it will be my first time in obrate stadium it's supposed to be 74 degrees and sunny uh next saturday for the spring game and for baseball it's supposed to be 70 and sunny with like a five percent chance of rain it's it seriously will be a great weekend to be in Stillwater. So if anybody out there listening, if there's any way you can swing it, you'll have a great, great weekend uh, next Saturday and Sunday in Stillwater. And Friday, go to the Friday night game. That sounds gorgeous. Get out to a great stadium if you can, man. That sounds awesome. Yeah, OSU's won five in a row going against uh, TCU this weekend. Uh, according to OSU's notes, Oklahoma State's 10, TCU's sixth in the country. So okay. their second, second, third, there's a million baseball polls, Colby. When I try to make my graphics for channel five, when I'm showing highlights, I, I find like five different rankings for each team. So there, there are a lot of polls, but again, they're second, third in the big 12. So this is a, a huge, huge series for, for Josh holiday and company. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. Anything else we need to get to before we get out of here? Uh, I think we pretty much covered it. Just looking forward to, I would say in the next two weeks, we should know where Bryce Thompson is going. And Carson, I just have to think that the NCAA decision is coming soon. They, they've handed so many of these other ones down. They very clearly have a, uh, a, a protocol that they're following here. I think in the next couple of weeks, we've got to be hearing something from the NCAA. I do think it will be a reduction in penalties. Uh, and if it's not, who oh man, oh buddy, that's uh that's going to be a fun show if it's not, because I, I really don't know how I'm going to handle it if they don't reduce the penalties. So looking forward to all of that the next couple of weeks. If it's not, it's time for pitchforks and torches and storming the NCAA offices. If it's not, opinion. we fly to Atlanta. We set up the uh, soundboard outside of NCAA headquarters. We record the show from there. Is it Atlanta or Indianapolis? Where, where are the headquarters at? I thought they had headquarters in Atlanta too. Or oh, they might. Indianapolis. I try to avoid thinking about the NCAA, so that you might be right. I probably wouldn't even want to get that close to them because I probably <laughs> shouldn't, make, I shouldn't make that joke. We're in COVID times. I was going to say, I don't want to get too close to them and catch something, but obviously that's probably... Well, and if, if you uh, got too close wearing OSU gear, they'd probably try to throw you in jail, knowing them. True. So. They probably got security. They probably have NCAA security that are under strict orders to immediately throw anyone in Oklahoma State gear in, in the brig. I'm with you. Colby Powell, thanks as always. We'll catch up with you next week. Everybody have a great weekend. Go Pokes!